Welcome to The Fear of God, episode 54. We can't quite believe that anniversary month is almost over, and we have put yet another week in the can. Uh, Here at The Fear of God, we have a conversation every week about the intersection between Christianity and the horror genre, and having that conversation with you is myself, Reed Lackey, and... Myself, Nathan Rouse. How you doing, Nathan? I'm good, man. I'm good. I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here and we're talking about a movie I really love today. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like we're in the zone. It's anniversary month. It's one year, you know, I mean, what's, I mean, the future is, is, is the horizon is far, uh, for the fear of God, you know, um, That's true. we're rolling out our new merchandise this month, uh, for anniversary <laughs> month, we're rolling out tumblers and, you know, shot, shot glasses, glasses. shot glasses. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're in the spirit of our show. We are prepping our, uh, officially licensed fear of God, Nathan Rouse and Reed Lackey Halloween costumes that you can pick up at your local party city. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> Mine is just <laughs> yours is just a beard, and mine is just bad teeth. That's all. That's all ours are. That's all ours are. That's all. Our if you guys. put them together, it looks really janky. Oh, it's like all right. I get it. I've got bad teeth. That's an Austin Austin Powers reference. Wow, that was no. Don't so short sell us. We're handsome fellas. Sure, sure. We're ironically wearing the exact same wardrobe tonight. We've got both got um, plain white you know, t-shirts, sequins, and vests. Wait, oh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I was still. I'm, I'm still in the share share yeah, zone. Big, you know? uh, like, feathered headdresses exactly right 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 (laughs) oh that's awesome that's what that's supposed to be on you i'm just kidding anyway (laughs) wow what a a way to start here we are anniversary month Uh, all bets are off you know nothing is nothing is too sacred to talk about (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, this week we are talking about a film that I know is near and dear to both your and my heart. Uh, I'm very excited to discuss this. One that, uh, if people saw it in their feed, they might go, huh, how are they going to stretch that to uh, to say that it's a horror film? And uh, maybe they're a little justified. We didn't have to. Had- we didn't have to. That's exactly it right. It was defended for us. It was Tell defended for us. That's right. Because if you subscribe to the uh, the streaming service known as Shudder, which is exclusively horror films, you will find this week's episode on said service. So uh, this week we are talking about Jeff Nichols' absolutely wonderful, wonderful, amazing film called Take Shelter. Nathan. Reed. Before we dive into Take Shelter, I have a sad bit of news. Uh oh! Just just one sad I don't, news. I don't like sad things. I mean, they're okay. Well. You know, part of <laughs> part of the fa- part of the faithful life is co-suffering. So I'm here for you, friend. That's true. What's up? Voting has officially closed for hashtag I love the '90s. 
So there's no more anticipation. There's no more input. Like oh, there's plenty of anticipation. Just no more input. <laughs> just no more. There's input. all the anticipation. Yeah. So we know the results, and uh, and yeah, there's some there's some uh, big surprises. Uh, some some disappointments. Some things that uh, people were really championing and hoping would be on the list did not quite make the top fifty, and some real surprises did make the top fifty. So it should be a very interesting and exciting list to cover when we go over it in October. But I want to thank everybody for submitting everybody uh, who voted got a really great turnout for that and we really appreciate it but voting is officially closed for hashtag I love the 90s and in a few weeks you guys will begin to see what the results of your voting were yeah see I don't I don't consider that sad I mean I understand your sentiment like we value people's input and in your Enneagram four <laughs> diplomatic way you want everyone to just have their cake and eat it that's true and um you know but but it's not sad because we all get to we all get to frolic in the horror field in october in hashtag i love the 90s and have a good old time that is quite true reminiscing uh you know just 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 musing over movies from that bygone era exactly Uh, so i'm looking forward to that so i don't consider it a sad thing so we're good all right. All right. Well, and on that note, uh, something else that is probably going to make the rest of our listeners sad, but is going to make you and I very happy. I just have to, I have to know what you're watching, what you're reading, boom, 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 boom. what you're listening to, and or listening to. <laughs> oh, it's, it's already old. I've, re- <laughs> um, I've really only got... Felt like I had another one, but I forgot it and I didn't write it down. And that's when you're when you're getting to this age and there's lots of things happening in life. If you don't write it down, it didn't happen. Right. Um, so the one I did write down, what I am watching right now, um, by the time this airs, I will long since have been done with it, I think, slash hope. Uh, I'm watching Netflix's The Defenders. Oh, um okay. Yeah. Haven't yeah. gotten that yet. Well, you're pretty far behind on the Netflix Marvel crop of stuff, so, which is okay. That's not a criticism. Just right. <laughs> um, it's okay. Um, I'm, I'm about I'm about five of eight, uh, and I think they made a smart move by just going eight episodes. Um, but, uh, you know, the choreography, the fight choreography is great. Um, I love both seasons. I I love season one of Daredevil. I love a lot of season two of Daredevil and really like the rest of it. I enjoyed Jessica Jones. I liked about six episodes of Luke Cage and then slogged through about four and then didn't finish the last three. Oh, wow. Uh, The universally negative criticism of Iron Fist kept me from it at all, which is sad because I think that's a fun character. So, you know, that all dovetails into the Defenders, which is about as uneven as all of what I just said. You know, it's like... Parts of it are strong, parts of it are weak, uh, some of it's right in the middle. So, you know, wow. it's, it, you, you, I've kind of wanted more enthusiasm to share, you know, clearly. It's like, eh, oh, oh, um, yeah, you're, you're really driving me towards 80 plus hours of viewing. I'm I like, know. okay, let me no, get I'm that. trying. I'm trying to tell you, watch Daredevil, watch Jessica Jones, watch a couple of Luke Cages because the tone is really nice. <laughs> um, you know, a, I'm about to spoil something in Luke Cage. I'm going to do that right here. So if you haven't seen Luke Cage and you want to watch Luke Cage, skip ahead about 10, about a minute. So one of the things they do with Luke Cage that is particularly terrible is they do a lot right and they do a lot really well. Mike Coulter strong, Rosario Dawson's in it. The actress, gosh, I can't remember her name, who plays Misty Knight is strong. 
oh shoot, and there's an older actress in it whose name is eluding me at the moment, but she's Alfred Woodard. Alfred Woodard is in oh, it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, she's great. Well, they also cast Mahershala Ali. Oh, you know okay. Who I'm talking yeah. About? Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, won the Oscar, Oscar for winner now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's in it, and he's fantastic. And then they do the most bone. It's 13 episodes. And on the sixth episode, spoiler alert, they kill him in the oh, show. Oh, wow. Wow. And in the show, you're like, oh, I did not see that coming. That's quite a pivot. That's a bold narrative choice. Right. But the problem with bold narrative choices, if you've got to have a really strong backup plan or a really strong follow-up, and oh my gosh, they introduce a villain who's terrible. He's terrible. Oh. And, and the, act, the actor doesn't do it well, and you're like... I don't know if contractual obligations meant that Ali couldn't do the whole thing, but I don't really believe that's the case. I think the creators just thought, wow, we'll keep the people guessing. And it just, it does not work. Um, but wow. the, but the, but the tone of cage is strong. That's why I didn't finish the series or the season. I was like, this is ridiculous. Dang. Anyway. So I'm watching the defenders and I'm kind of lukewarm about it. So there you go. Are you happy now? Clearly, <laughs> I am. I'm quite delighted. Um, I am going to talk about a couple of things that I'm reading because I've been getting I, I go through this kick every once in a while maybe every four or five months where I uh, really get back into graphic novels and uh, yeah what I mean by that is not necessarily collections of uh, monthly periodicals or superhero stories but specifically independently published graphic novels and what uh, those in the industry call OGNs oh original, original graphic, graphic, no- graphic yeah. novels yes. so uh, I've read two of them recently and both of which I adored um, the first one was called my friend Dahmer which I think is slated for a film uh, feature film coming up here soon uh, but my friend Dahmer by a guy whose name is going to sound like I'm joking but his name is Durf Backdurf but he is uh, it, the novel is very sensitively written it's chilling it is provocative uh, um, it is it just just really haunting, uh, powerful, powerful graphic novel. I would recommend anybody reading it, and uh, maybe one day we'll actually get the opportunity to talk about it on the show. That would delight me. Um, so, but yeah, My Friend Dahmer by Durf Backdurf. And then the other one that I read was uh, actually endorsed, and he wrote the introduction to it by our mutually beloved Damon Lindelof. Um, nice. It is a book by Jeff Lemire called Underwater Welder. I do like um, that. Now you're you're saying his name differently than I would have. Uh, I'm probably but, saying but, it wrong. Well, I, I just would have read it as Lemire, so I know who you're talking about. But, right. but we could. You might be right. So I don't know. For instance, for definite, but I do like his work. Sure. Underwater dweller. Underwater welder. Welder. Um, welder. Yes. So he fixes pipes uh, beneath the surface of the ocean, obviously, and it is hence hence the title. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it is this, and Lindelof himself sets it up this way, which is which probably helps. Uh, it, it is kind of like an extended Twilight Zone episode, but it is touching and and moving and tear jerking at the end and mysterious and insightful and yes it's wonderful uh so i would give huge recommendations behind both of those graphic novels my friend Dahmer by durf back durf and underwater welder by jeff lemire Lemire, however you say you're just saying a mouthful there like you uh, you've intrigued me on both of those the the dwarf goes fishing and oh i mean And not a, is, no. please tell me, you know how in comics, like, or at least in Marvel comics, traditionally, the, the protagonists created specifically by Stan Lee for so many years have alliterative names, you know, 
like oh, Peter right, Parker, right, right. Reed Richards, Bruce Banner. I, please tell me that I just came up with this. Please tell me that the Lemire character's name is is Wendell Walters because I would really love if the name of that book was Underwater Welder Wendell Walters. <laughs> Wendell Waters Underwater Welder. <laughs> Yes. yes. <laughs> it's actually William Wibbleforth. <laughs> his daddy's well, name is Will Wendell. So it's right, uh, right. William Wibbleforth and his daddy Winder, the underwater welder. <laughs> Whoa, my goodness. That's a, I want to read that book. No, it is. A, I can't remember his name. His name's not important. But yours is funny. <laughs> my name is funny or my yeah, idea is no, funny? No, your idea is funny. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, that has been another entry in What You're Watching, What You're Reading, What You're Listening To, and or. Our heart's just not in it. It's losing steam. You guys, hey, you guys sing it. We're done. We're done singing it. You guys sing it. We'll just tell you what we're doing. But then <laughs> eventually it's like, yeah, to watch it, read, listen to it. Uh, you know it, Reed. Just tell us, Jesus. Um, so, Riri. Yes. We are today talking about Take Shelter. I am absolutely super excited to talk about this movie. So. I do want to know if you have trivial bits. I don't. I only have two. Uh, the The first one is just basically, obviously, the the wonderful, stunning, amazing Jessica Chastain was an unknown when she made this film. So she was only paid like $100 a day. That was her salary. Um, wow. Next to nothing. When this was the first thing that I had prominently seen her in. It wasn't the first thing she'd done, but it was the first time when she hit my radar. And then uh, I think it was later the same year she had done Tree yeah. of Life. Yeah. Um, well... But I, th- I wonder if I'm, I'm just purely con- conjecturing here. I think with Malik, especially Tree of Life, I imagine that production schedule was so wacky. Oh, I, I mean, she, yeah. That was, that was probably shot over the course of a very long time. Um, yeah, you're probably And right. that's fascinating. Although, you know, while, yes, that's a meager pittance, especially when you think of Jessica Chastain today. Um, I mean, Jeff Nichols himself has never been a blockbuster filmmaker in the traditional right, sense. And so right. it would, it doesn't, that's a, that's a very low amount of money. Uh, but it doesn't surprise right, right. me that, you know, for her reputation at the time and, and Nichols himself. I mean, I don't have a hundred dollars. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Him being kind of low on the totem pole at the time. That doesn't surprise me a ton. Yeah. But that isn't, that, I, that is an interesting trivial. Yeah. What's and your other, what's your other one? And she's of course amazing in it. The other one I really love. So the, the extras in the restaurant, near the end of the film, um, yeah. they were only told that they would receive a free lunch and that they would get to be in a movie. They had no idea the scene that's that was about awesome. to unfold in front of when them. When he explodes? So, yes. So their reactions awesome. to him are completely genuine because they had they had no idea what was about to happen. They were only told that they would receive a free lunch and get to be in a movie. So when he goes off in that scene. Well, when the fight breaks out and then culminates in him overturning the table and everything, their reactions are all completely authentic. They had no idea what to expect. And uh, I love that. Did you, did you happen to in, in amidst that, was there any reference to like, in other words, was the, um, was the table flip part of the scene or did he, you know, 
I don't know. I would be curious to find that out. I don't know if that was intentional or if that was something like if it was planned or if that was something Michael Shannon did in the moment, uh, just because of the heat and the emotion of the moment. Uh, that'd be interesting to find out. I didn't discover that one way or another. This is this is if you're okay opening the likes dislikes door here. Um, let's do it. Yeah, let's go ahead, dude. Ten years from now, fifteen years from now. I mean, even now that this movie was made in what twelve. 2012? Uh, 2011, I think. Somewhere in there. I yeah. actually think some of the elements in the movie are dated 2010, so that's what I'm conjuring. Um, oh, gotcha. But it may have not have released until 11. Yeah, it's 2011. I just Those two actors are powerhouses. Oh, yes. They are amazing. Now, you're referring could, to Chastain and Shannon? or uh, Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anyone else in the movie? No, I because we were just talking about the restaurant scene. I didn't know if you were talking about oh, Michael sorry. Shannon and his and his friend. No, uh, no. But I yeah. mean, he's 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 fine. But no, I'm referring specifically to the leads, Michael Shannon and Jessica Chastain. They yeah. just destroy. And yeah. I found I I I am enough an admirer of Jessica Chastain's work that it wouldn't surprise me that she probably had. And it makes me think of was it. Is Ben Wilson the name of the actor who is in Living Dead? Uh, Dwayne or am Wilson. I maker? Dwayne Wilson. Was his character's name Ben? His um, character's name uh, was... I, I would need to look it up, which is embarrassing, but I think the actor's name was Dwayne Wilson and the character's name was Ben. I, think I, might, have make, I might be making those up. No, I but. think you're right there. Um, and if, if, if reality proves that you're not, we're still going to go with the fact that you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like that. It, it would not surprise me if she had a lot of input because... What I love about this movie now, I like Jeff Nichols a lot. And so I think he's already probably a pretty sensitive script screenwriter and, and oh, unquestionably, yeah, but yeah. there is nothing just quote unquote, just the wife about her performance and about her role and about her. Yeah. Character. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So many films. And again, we, you know, this won't surprise anybody, but I, you know, I'm often, cognizant of those things in films and media this would easily just be her as the wife of the movie of the of the character who's undergoing these terrible things but she really she gives back to him you know she 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 holds her own in scenes with him and i don't even mean just yeah. from a performance standpoint i mean the character yeah, um, absolutely. i don't know I, I was really impressed with that choice in terms of the script and i wonder how much of both of them it was. Yeah, I totally agree. And I feel that's, that's really indicative of Jeff Nichols as a filmmaker and as a storyteller in general, because even as you say that now, obviously Jessica Chastain, it's true of her entire performance, even when things have not quite developed about Michael Shannon's troubles, you know, uh, even in the, just the interactions with their daughter and just the general way she navigates through their day to day life. I completely agree with you. She immediately, uh, resonates as believable, three-dimensional. She's uh, fully formed. Uh, she's completely believable. Their marriage is completely believable, even from the first frame. Um, but I would even say, you know, hearkening back to, I think that's part of just Jeff, what Jeff Nichols brings out in his actors is even Katie Mixon, who is their friend. She only shows up oh, in maybe yeah, two yeah, or three yeah. scenes. Um, but even her character, as brief as as briefly as we see her, she feels very real. She feels very of that world, of that place, um, and it, it there's a that feels like there's a backstory bubbling under the surface, even with just their interactions. Um, so I think that's something that is I, I, I'm going to 
personally in my little brain train going to chalk it up to the collaborative power that Jeff Nichols brings out of his actors, that he's just able to draw that out of them and be able to realize this world in total. Let, let me ask you this. Um, uh, actually, actually unplugging from likes, dislikes for a moment. Do you, you don't have to answer your answer doesn't have to be this movie, but would you, what would you categorize as your favorite Jeff Nichols for anyone who hasn't seen them? Uh, the ones I'm thinking of at least shotgun stories, this mud midnight special. Is there something else? Loving. They're loving. I have not yeah. seen Loving yet, so yeah. I can't. I, f- I did forget about that one. Um, yeah, wh- wh- where would this rank for you? So honestly, Take Shelter's the best. Take Shelter's my favorite. I think for me personally, just because of being a father to a son, uh, Midnight Special ranks a close second for me. Sure. But honestly, they're all very interchangeable. Um, I feel like it just he, he, I just really resonate with his style of storytelling. Yes. And yes. I, I feel like the types of stories he tells um, just resonate so deeply and, and provoke such emotion and thought in me that honestly, uh, they their ranking is by centimeters of degrees. They're all in that. Sure five star you know just just absolutely adore them i would say honestly my least favorite of the bunch is uh loving and i still found i still found loving to be a really wonderful film um so you would say you didn't love it that would, <laughs> no i loved it i loved loving. Uh, <laughs> i just i just didn't love loving as much as i love take shelter right there you go you know it's funny you say that because for me now i i would say i love jeff nichols i would say take shelter is my favorite probably um, I wouldn't put Midnight Special immediately behind it. In other words, like by pure degrees, but but it would probably be second on my list. Um, for all its accolades, I actually, I would not say I didn't like it, but I did not enjoy Mud nearly as much as the the sort of buzz attached to it. Oh, really? As, wow. I yeah. loved Mud. Now, it's oh, possible. Mud was great. It's possible. So I've only seen it once. It's possible there was a lot of hype attached and it kind of dampened a little bit of the viewing experience. So I wonder if I were to rewatch it, would I feel differently? Sure. Um, but anyway, anyway, yeah, bit of a, a rabbit of, trail there. All of that to say, Jeff Nichols is just wonderful. And so, so, so far he has done no wrong. I doubt very seriously that he will do any wrong. <laughs> like he's, he's honestly five for five for me. I just, I love all of his films. It's actually surprising. It's not surprising because I think, what little I've gleaned of him from just interviews and knowing the content of his films that I don't know he would want to pursue this path, but you know, Hollywood right now, whether it's, I was going to say whether it's Disney, but that's really about it. But um, (laughs) whether it's Marvel or star Wars or whatever, you know, these, these young up and coming directors who have made a splash with smaller, smarter features are getting snapped up to direct these mega budget things. And then right. if you're Phil Lord and Chris Miller getting, getting shown the door uh, in the case of Han Solo. Anyway, that's yeah. a whole random right. thing. Plugging back in to take shelter likes, dislikes. So yes, just Chastain is amazing. Uh, Michael Shannon, man, goodness gracious. Like he's he, intense. He's incredible. He actually, I actually said this to my wife cause she did watch this with me. I've been asking her for years to watch it cause I adore this movie so much. And for the pod, I finally convinced her to. And, um, I actually said he'd make a great Frankenstein. I mean, he's just got this oh, physicality oh, yeah. to him. You know, specifically, I'm thinking of the scene you're referring to. The and it's it's not so much a restaurant, but it's that like lodge. It's like the yeah, community right, center right. kind of thing. But when he's after he's flipped the table and he's just kind of lumbering around, his oh, shoulders are up gosh. around his ears. Yes. I mean, he looks like a Frankensteinian character. 
Yeah. Well, and his call out to the, you know, like his whole, there's a storm coming. Like it's very bellowy, very theatrical. Yeah, I totally, I totally see him stepping into a role like Frankenstein. Um, just going down the list of likes, dislikes here and, and, and I'll throw out a couple and you, you, you do the same. Um, I think one of my favorite Jeff Nichols lines in five features is, and for the life of me, I can't remember his buddy's character's name. But it's it was a trailer moment, but it's when they're in the car or the truck or whatever it is. And he says the best compliment you can. I think that's the best uh, compliment you can give a man that when you look at his life and say he's doing something right. Yep. And, 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 and I think what's so powerful about that line is just in the moment, it's very uh, potent, but also just it's it's also very tragic because of where at least that relationship goes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I had I had written that line down uh, as a. You know, somewhere to bring up on the pod, either in likes, dislikes or themes or something. I think it's it's powerful. It's foreshadowing. Obviously, it's a bit foreboding, but it's it's also uh, you just take a step back. And and because that poor guy clearly does not love his home life. He clearly does not have what he sees in his friend. Um, I want to stop referring to them by their by their uh, actor's name. So. Curtis. So his friend is, um, so his friend Dewart is, um, clearly when he says you're doing something right, or that's the best compliment you can give a man. Um, he's sort of longing for having that and for wanting that in his own home life, little knowing that here Curtis is just haunted by these apocalyptic nightmares that he's trying to push in the back of his brain and trying to maintain his sanity. Um, yeah, it's a powerful moment. It's, it's really kind of heartbreaking in a way. Um, you know, I've got a couple of kind of, uh, heavy is the wrong word, but, and my likes, dislikes. So I I will caveat sort of this whole conversation with just my experience of this movie. And I I want to encourage if if you have some sort of story time too, for you to do the same, but a lot of, um, this particular story becomes kind of the, um, um, you know, the, the, the nucleus that a lot of the likes, dislikes, scares themes are going to sort of spin off of. So, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago uh, in Black Lagoon about this sort of fear of, of large bodies of water and, and that sort of thing. <laughs> and while uh, while that is um, a real thing, it, it is a little, you know, if I were a, a better swimmer or something, I probably wouldn't have as, as potent a fear as I do or respect as I do. But what's uh, that seems like an odd thing to, to, to teleport in here real quick, but it's going to be relative to this. So when I first saw Take Shelter, it was in the theater by myself. Mm. And I can't remember. Maybe I knew the thread of Jeff Nichols. Maybe I was just intrigued by the trailer. I can't remember exactly how I, you know, what, what initially allured me to it. Well, so. And I think I may have told you the story before. I can't remember, but I haven't told the people. And here we are together. Um, (laughs) For anyone who hasn't watched this movie, the brief synopsis is, and you've alluded to it already, Reed, but just to just to contextualize all of it is, you know, Midwestern family, uh, tough economic times, just trying to make it um, child with disabilities. Um, The husband, Curtis, Michael Shannon, starts having these. Uh, dreadful apocalyptic esque nightmares 
um, that, that send him, I'm going to use a really big word here just because I never get to use it, send him into kind of paroxysms while he's sleeping. Uh, um, you yeah. know, just he nosebleeds, he hyperventilates. Um, it's very, very terrifying. And uh, you learn through the course of the film that his mother had mental health issues. He begins worrying that he has them, but but he the 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 shelter of the movie, or at least the the direct non metaphorical shelter of the movie, <clears throat> he begins building this storm shelter in the backyard because of these visions. He's he's compelled and driven by these visions to build this storm shelter and just the upheaval that that causes in his community relationships in his marital relationship so so that's that's the basic premise of the movie um yeah. anything am i missing anything real pertinent no i don't think so so uh, to whatever extent i understood that plot before going to the theater i went i paid my money i sat by myself uh there were other people there well and again i don't know if i've told you the story before reed but my experience of watching take shelter would would be one of about 10 movie-going experiences in my life that are this significant that I could point to and say this the actual act of watching this movie had a certain type of effect on me. Not all of mm. them are going to be this type of effect, but would have a profound effect on me, such that I almost walked out of the theater because of this effect. So, oh, wow. I, while, 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 you know, oceans and large bodies of water and, and murkiness and creatures from the Black Lagoon give me a sort of uh, whimsical kind of fear, although it is a bit real, I personally, throughout my adult life, and, you know, it, it's intermittent, it happens perhaps every six to 12 months, sometimes as long as 18 months before it will again, I have debilitating nightmares. Um, they... Mm kind of it they uh, it kind of attacks me it, it it's you know it's it's they are haunting they leave me in tears i wake up in the middle of the night in tears and oh wow and yeah i mean really profoundly devastating nightmares um of, of and it's not just of like oh freddie was after me and he got me it's like you know friends family suffering really sure, sort right. of experiences so i did not from the trailer no. And clearly, if you watch the trailer, you'll see some of the visions that he has are part of the trailer. But what you don't know from just watching the trailer is that these are dreams he's having. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so I pay my money. I sit down to the theater. This is long story time here, but it, but it matters to the broader conversation. Sure. So I pay my money. I watch the movie. And once it connects that it is nightmares he's having, truthfully read it became too real oh wow it was so powerful uh probably about a third of the way through i don't know that i can point to a to a specific moment but i had the impulse to leave it was mm. like this is too real it is i don't know if i can handle it wow um yeah and i did and i pushed through and i'm i'm super thrilled that i did because i ended up just friggin adoring the film oh sure um but but i tell that story simply to say my appreciation and sort of interacting with this movie doesn't really exist apart from that someone might be able to say to me and this is sort of why i asked that question about jeff nichols someone might be able to say to me oh i thought tech shelter was really good and really strong it's not my favorite of his I would be fine with that because the, the connection for me to this movie is so, so personal that I could see where someone might not have that level of personal connection and thus right, it's right. not quite as profound an experience. Um, 
So that's a, that's a really long. Did, have I ever told you that story? Did that? No. Was that no, totally new news? That for you? was that was all brand new to me. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, we're we're connect. You and I are bonding and connecting. We're bonding with the audience here. Welcome um, to the fear of God, everybody. Yeah. So uh, you know, so so I, I tell that story in this moment to, because some of the likes, dislikes, some of the scares, some of the themes are all build on that, and so intertwined things right. things like. And what I wrote in this go round was sign of strong storytelling is this couple is strong together. Yeah. You know, they, the, 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 the story doesn't take the easy path and the easy path is the exact one you would expect every movie of marital strife to have. And that's, she's gone. Right. You know? Like this right. is, this is too much. This is too heavy. Um, but I love that. I mean, and it was interesting because I don't know if your wife has watched this movie with you. It, it caused some interesting, it. it caused some interesting conversations in our home because, you know, my wife, now this was her first time seeing it. So it was all very new. The right. scene that we keep referring to in the lodge, uh, in the community center, yeah, she, right. when he loses she was, she was a little less, she thought it was a little unrealistic. And I'm using that word, not her, that Chastain's character is so, present um you know she she struggled a bit with with that version of of the events whereas to me i was and again if you look at it, the personal nature of this story now no i don't explode in real life as a result of these dreams that occasionally plague me but it spoke so strongly to me uh from from a script script writing standpoint from a story standpoint from a performance and character standpoint that and and it's followed up. I think it's followed up. This scene is after the explosion scene when they're in the backyard. You know what I'm talking about? And she, he's in the foreground looking into the into the field. She it's walks actually, up behind him. So that actually it it actually immediately precedes the scene in the really? lodge. Okay. Yes. So it's it's right before it. Well, and yeah. So so it's it's when he's seen her in one of his dreams, and so then right. she comes. That's right. She comes oh. out because he he flinched when she touched him, and so then she was like, "Can you can you live with this? Can you live with the fact right. that I was in your dream?" And he said, "I think I can." And so then, good lord, she just says, "Okay, then here's what we're gonna do." We're going to see how much it's going to cost to extend the health insurance. We're going to like she has the whole plan out. And then the only reason I know so definitively that that scene precedes the lodge is because she culminates that speech, that sort of pep talk and saying, and I want to go to that community dinner. That's right. Because I want to do something normal. That's that's where I want to go. That's what I want to do. And uh, yeah, but you're you're actually you're actually you're actually uh, emboldening or or, or shoring up uh, a better version of the point I was trying to make, which is, again, from a from a storytelling perspective, the fact that that scene precedes the explosion and the fact that she stays is such a great payoff for that conversation. Oh, yes, it is. You know, I mean, I mean, to because doesn't he does he ask or does she ask? One of them asks some version of, are you going to leave me or something like that? He asks her, he asks her, are you going to leave me? Yeah. And so again, what a beautifully emotional payoff when, when she is visibly shaken by his explosion. Yeah, absolutely. but it's still, it's still present. So I love that scene. You, you throw something out, Reed. I'm, yeah, I'm just so, shattering on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to piggyback a little bit on that scene too. And, uh, and who knows, maybe in this episode, uh, likes, dislikes, scares themes, maybe they can all just sort of weave in and out of each other. Um, one of the things I love about that, and it, it, it convicts me 
to be honest, it deeply convicts me, that scene, because the only difference between her reacting the way that she does and her taking her daughter and storming out and leaving him alone is whether she's, in my understanding and in my thinking about it, the only difference between the reaction we get from her in the film and a completely opposite reaction of her just abandoning him is whether or not she's thinking about herself and how embarrassed she is by all of this or thinking about him and how lost he feels in this moment and how alone Mm. he is in all of these fears and anxieties. And to me, as I was watching that scene, I felt deeply and I'm not being trying to be dramatic here, felt deeply convicted about the moments when I have not been in the same situation. I've never been in that situation. But when I've seen someone I deeply love in some degree of emotional distress, either my wife, my son, uh, a friend, a family member, somebody who has been in, in, in sort of dire straits in the moment, and I have reacted by protecting myself in that moment. Sure, sure. Instead of instead of what she does in the film, which is immediately dissolve, immediately melt and immediately provide, yes, I'm going to go there, provide shelter sure. for him. Do in it. The, go in, there. In, in the gonna, midst of It's going to happen more than that time yes. too, I'm sure. So so she provides shelter for him in the midst of this moment and he breaks down and begin begins to weep and and it, and of course they leave. But they leave together. She doesn't storm out. She doesn't slap him. She doesn't take the daughter. She doesn't give him the stink eye. Um, He's just had a very public, very uh, inescapable breakdown, a very public meltdown. And she provides him shelter in that moment. And it's beautiful. And I want to be that good of a person. I want to be I want to be that type I'm not and good lord uh, like I said I'm convicted by the opportunities I had to provide such shelter and didn't Um, but that I I want I want to be that Uh, that's the that's the the type of human being I would aspire to be would be to shelter someone in a moment of such emotional distress Um, it's beautiful it's lovely Um, oh go ahead I was just going to say I want to for for our conversation can we withhold talking about the bunker scene for a moment? Uh, you know, I, yeah, I don't know if yeah. we're, because no, that's, I'm glad you said that because that's actually exactly where I was going to go. So, oh, so yeah, oh, well, we, can, we can hold, so we can hold off and talk about it later. Well, and maybe to wrap up likes, dislikes, cause it is so formidable. Um, I, I, here, I, this is for listeners to think about who have seen this movie. If you haven't seen this movie, yes, it has a deeply kind of personal sort of weird intertwining for me. Nathan. Um, but, um, you know, it, it is, it is a formidable piece of work. It is, it is, it is rich. Yes, it, it is, is lovely. It is beautiful. It is passionate. It is deep. It is an American. It is, uh, there, there's a, there's, even though she has a very specific sort of role she plays and she is excellent at it. It's very male kind of movie. Um, American 30 something mm-hmm. male kind of movie of what it means to be plagued by whether you can or can't take care of your family and children and responsibilities oh, and that sort yes. of thing. Um, <clears throat> so there's Absolutely. some themes there. Uh, my, my point is watch the movie, but I'm going to unpack <laughs> a very sort of meta question here for you, Reed. I want us to talk about it for a moment and for listeners to ponder. I tried to, uh, my wife and I talked about this some because I, I'll, I won't, I won't preface anymore and just sort of throw it out there. So sure. There is a way to me, as much as I love so 98% of this movie with, with pure unabashed love, uh, 
the the backstory with the mom is almost this fly in the ointment for me and let me explain hmm. mental illness is such a specific and has such a unique sort of flavor to a person who is either a experiencing it or b witnessing someone experience it or c known someone who has experienced it such that how do i how do i phrase this so there's a way in which i worry that the that the conceit of mental illness in this movie for me at least overshadows what i think are better themes if, and and what i mean by that is so for instance my wife and i having this conversation she couldn't quite get over how much the specter of mental illness haunted the movie whereas what okay. i was trying to make the case i was trying to make the case i said but but i don't think the point of the movie is mental illness i think the point of the movie is how do we in in the real things that plague us that aren't clinically related you know what i mean they aren't they right, aren't right. you are clearly suffering a disability that is going to cripple you that aren't those right. things but are real just sort of worries and deep fears how we move through those and she kept tripping over but mental illness mm, and and i was okay. like well ah. and I, I i feel like i remember thinking this at the time she knows more people who have just kind of struggled with some of these things and one of her yeah, yeah. dear friends really really this sort of stuff affects her deep real personally and so so i'm not it i understood where she was coming from but i felt like well does the fact that you've introduced this kind of clinically medical sort of topic impede the movie's ability to say what I think the movie is really trying to say? Does, mm. does that make sense at all? I think, as, I think I understand what you mean. And, and here was what I was thinking as you were talking is it, it, there are things about Jeff Nichols films, which I would deem as the subject. So this is the subject. In other words, this is what the movie is about. And then there are little devices in the narrative through which to explore that subject. So in the case of Take Shelter, I would say that the subject is marriage and relationship and family. Like that's that's the subject. I think that mental illness is merely one of the devices through which he explores this particular subject. But I also think it's. Uh, economic hardship it's uh you know uh, feelings as we had talked about about uh you know masculine sort of substance and things like that i would deem those as devices and i do think it would be possible for somebody to walk away from the film and get hung up on the devices and miss the subject um because well and they would be thinking that it was about the devices right and i don't disagree with you on a certain level and this is why i say i think mental illness specifically is one of those few areas that you does the device become what a viewer sees because of their relationship to that sort of subject matter does that device then become the prominent uh, obstacle you know what i mean, I right, mean in, right. in a, a, a story's very construction is obstacles in the path of a character because she struggled with the fact that you know right before they go on the beach trip at the end they're in the doctor's office where he basically says right. the doctor says you're gonna okay go on your trip but you're gonna have to have extensive treatment in other yes. words, all the all the things Michael Shannon's character was fleeing and working so hard to not happen are going to happen to him. He failed, quote unquote. I don't view it that way. But if you are hung up on the mental illness side of that equation, you will see this as a sort of depressing ending. 
Whereas, and I think that's what I'm trying to say. That's interesting. I found this movie extremely hopeful because my ability to view mental illness in this story as a device, possibly because of my lack of real tactile relationship to it, helped me be able to just say, oh, well, that's a device. But for someone who it, it would, and this is maybe like a stretch of an analogy, you know, cause, cause, because mental illness has become such a, and not has become in, in a way that it's false, but is such a pertinent conversation of our time. Yeah. It would almost be like, for whatever reason, just, just go with this really crude analogy here. Um, for whatever reason, Michael Shannon's character has to have his arm amputated. And at the end of the movie, he's been facing this fear it's hereditary for whatever it is. He's been facing this fear. The doctor tells him, well, yeah, but when you come back from this vacation, you're, we're still going to have to take the arm. Like right, someone would watch right. that and think, oh my God, well, they're still going to lose. He's still going to lose an arm. It's just this very real I tactile see. thing. They have a hard time getting over. Anyway, I, I know that sounded sort of random, but it made me wish like, cause I think there's a version of this movie that you could take the mom out and it not dampen the through line. You know what I mean? I, I don't, I don't disagree with that, but at the same token, I would, and I don't even think you're about, I don't even think you will disagree with what I'm about to postulate. Let, let's talk for a second. Cause, cause uh, this is this, a random diatribe listeners. We know we don't usually <laughs> quite go on these tangents, but it's a good I conversation. Know. But I would even, I would even venture to say maybe for the sake of our own formatting, like we've kind of left likes, dislikes behind scares, unless there was something specific you had, we can kind of just wrap up in the anxieties of being a, a husband well, and a father. Well, and well, no, we'll, we'll the, double back on some, we'll double back on some, but go ahead. Okay. But, but, um, let's talk about the ending for a minute because the ending is, is obviously ambiguous and it's open for interpretation. I have my ideas about what's happening in the ending. You are like um, driving straight to three. I know, I know i gave you a runway, a very clear runway. Like, Oh, you didn't I give me cleared. a runway. You gave me the plane. Right. You, exactly. You put me I was on like, the plane hey, Reed, you buckled me hey, Reed, we're, we're like a hundred feet from ground. Why don't you go ahead and touch us down? Oh, <laughs> uh, um, okay. So, so, so here's why don't, why don't we do this? So, uh, I don't, I don't want to lose this. Put though. a pin in the, it. I know. I know. This is I the know. conversation. We're not married to the format. This is the conversation. Okay. All right. So like, so let's talk about the ending for a second because I, <laughs> here's, here's what I feel. And it bleeds out of what you're saying about the, the mental illness thing. So I thought a lot, this is only my second time seeing the film, but I remembered how it ended. And I was like, I really want to wrap my head around what I think the ending is. I don't, I'm not going to be arrogant enough to say that I understand the ending better than anybody else. I just want to walk away with what is my understanding of the ending. And this time around, I clued in because I could not remember how it began. So if you remember the very beginning, he's standing outside of his home and the storm is coming the rain falls. It's that motor oil type of rain. And of course he wakes up, he's having a nightmare, but in the end, he's at the beach with his daughter. The storm is coming. His wife comes out and the, the rain begins to fall, but his wife sees it too. Oh, I love it so much. Oh, his wife sees it too. The rain begins to fall. He looks up at her and he begins to try to retreat into the house, turns around to her and just says, Sam. And she says, okay. Now here's my interpretation of the ending. I read somewhere that Jeff Nichols and he is, uh, by his own very purposeful intention, he does not 
give away what's what's really happening <laughs> he does not uh at all he wants that to be open to the to the uh viewers imaginations but he did say he said i went into the ending knowing very specifically what was taking place and it's just fun to see what different interpretations people come up with so i may i read maybe completely uh off the deep end with this but here's what i think is happening i think he is having another dream i think that what we're seeing on the beach is not real that the only difference is that now instead of being in conflict with the world around him and with the things and the people in the world around him now he is in harmony with them and they are in harmony with him and that now even though the storm is still coming and even though they he will still find himself in constant retreat mode he is uh, he has found his shelter now, and that shelter is in his family and in his in his marriage and in his daughter, and that's my interpretation of the ending. So in that regard, I that's like that the mental illness. Yeah, I like that the mental illness factor is there because it uh, it just sort of grounds a little bit of that understanding to me. It's like okay, well, he's not just going to suddenly get over the things that he's struggling with, but now he's not going to struggle with them alone. He's not going to be by himself as he faces up against them, uh, which is why I used very deliberate language of she provides him shelter at that at that uh, lodge at that lodge. That's den. that's that's interesting. I actually really like that interpretation. And to be fair, so this is on so many levels. This is my kind of movie. Um, I love a bit of an ambiguous ending. Um, let me rephrase yeah. that. I love an ambiguous, hopeful ending. And I do feel like sure. this hits that note. And truthfully, I've never, I mean, I've seen it twice now myself. I watched it that one time in the theater. And I, I think out of an interest of preserving the sort of strangely strong love I felt for it after I finished it, I don't know that I wanted to topple the apple cart. And so just oh, didn't right, rewatch right. it um, until the podcast. So I have not done much reading to know what interpretations there are of the film i so i had not considered the what you just laid out although it is interesting again so in watching it with my wife and 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 kicking back ideas she kind of she might be more empathetic to what you just said than what i was trying to say which uh, you know now i'm like well am i just naive i don't think i'm naive <laughs> in this regard at least in many regards maybe yes so I can't talk about the end of the movie without talking about the bunker scene. So I'm going to go through the end around to the bunker and we'll get there. Okay. Um, Cause I don't see the end as, as, as dreamscape at all. You see um, it as reality. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> but hear me. I, that's not me kicking back at you. I, I, no, I understand. You just sort of, you sort of open my eyes a little bit like, okay, well I can sort of see the case you're making there. Um, and that's part of why I love the, the ambiguity of the ending is the suggestion that it is real. Yeah. Um, because so I'm going to back up to the bunker, putting the pen in knowing that, that it's, I think it's real. So there's two, there's two scenes that make me weep like a baby in this movie. One of them is when she finally bears witness to his experience. In the yeah. Fight. Yeah. I mean, it is, arresting when he has the seizure you mean yeah 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 and he's bleeding well and that that, oh, yeah. that scene is so powerfully shot because there's no close-up on him 
it's just this wide shot. I mean, it's, it's, or, you know, if we're going to be real technical, kind of a medium shot on the bed. And so you're just kind of, as a viewer, you're seeing some bloodied stuff, but you don't know what's really happening. And he's just sort of obscured. Yeah. He's sort of tightened up so much and, 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 and thrashing a bit. And she's just, and it, and it goes on so long. It's a long scene Yeah, to, to, to witness her terror at his experience. So that one really emotionally gets me. And the bunker scene, man, it jacks me up. Like, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, it rips the tears right well, out of your soul. I mean, and it, 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 it climaxes to me on that moment. And I don't have the literal text or the, the actual text in front of me, but where I think, not intending to paraphrase here, but I think she says, this is what it means to stay with us. Yes. And, is, yeah, and, and this says. is why I love her character so much. There's nothing condemning. No. And in fact, if anything, it's, it's, what I wrote down, I referenced you two last week. I'm going to do it again here. What I reference is sometimes you can't make it on your own. Yeah. It's, it's not to be done. It's not meant to be done alone. And in many ways, it can't actually be done alone. Right. And so that scene, the bunker scene is so powerful because, you know, few, few of us will have the experience of knowing fear that deep. And that profound, right? That, and I think what I loved too is you never sort of like uh, Brundle in the Fly. If you show him bludgeoning a, a cat dog, a cat monkey with a bat, you're really gonna lose it for him. You're not gonna like <laughs> right. All your sympathy's like you, gone. You know Michael Shannon's explosiveness in this movie. There's a way that the the movie never tilts the scale against him. Does that make sense? Right. He's, he's right. always this very sympathetic. It's scary. You're scared for him. Yeah. Um, and so none of us will quite know that depth, that, that profound level of fear, but we do know things that we just don't want to do and don't like doing, and we need the push to do them. And so that scene is so powerful to me and dovetails directly into, um, the, the final scene. And so for me personally, the scene, the, the, when she witnesses the storm and again, don't ask me to, and I even told my wife this, I was like, I can't tell you in, in my interpretation of the movie where it's real. I can't tell you what happens a day, a, a week, a month, a year after the events of that final moment. Right. Right. But I don't, for me personally, I don't feel the need to, because to me, what is so powerful about that scene is that it's the movie saying you aren't crazy. The fears right. you have are real. The concerns that plague you are real. And, and I'm going to add here one of my favorite phrases in the English language. And yet, Mm. and yet with love at your side, with a loved one, with a community of loved ones, with, with things that that you can take shelter in, you can endure those things. And this is what I mean by a hopeful ending is I, my interpretation until you sort of, through the wrench in the mix is it is <laughs> it is that it is real but the movie intends that they are going to endure it whatever it is i mean is it apocalypse itself is it some weird phenomena natural phenomena who knows right but that but that whatever the experience of the bunker resulted in they will now be able to walk through together 
I don't know. I mean, like, I, I'm with you. Yeah. Like, I, I hadn't totally conceived of that as the way you did. And, and so I can see it that way. Um, but I, I think to me, there was such a potency to the suggestion that it is real. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I like, I like your interpretation too. I think that's part of what I love about Jeff Nichols as a filmmaker is that he does leave that template for you to walk away. Like, even though I'm still holding to my interpretation, yours is lovely. And I wouldn't at all be like, I wouldn't balk at all if uh, somehow it was definitively determined, like, no, it's real at the end. It's not a dream sequence. He was right the whole time. The storm was coming. Now he's got the hope that he's going to be able to endure this. And and uh, yeah, if I if I found out definitively that that was actually what was taking place, I wouldn't balk at it for a second because I think both are. I th- I honestly think that both tell the same story because if sure, it's, I can if, see it's that. if it's real. He's not alone. He's not lost his family. They will take shelter together. If it's a dream sequence, now he's no longer facing these storms by by himself on his own. He's not uh, constantly at the mercy of the forces around him. He has uh, a companion. He has uh, he he's just not alone. And so I think they both culminate to the same thing. Going back to that, going back to that bunker scene. I find it so heartbreakingly, devastatingly, inspiringly beautiful that she refuses to open the door for him. Oh, that oh. that and and that's what she means. Right. Quoting the line that you said earlier again, when she says, "This is what it means to stay with us." He he's fine if somebody else opens the door. Right. And right. and this is this is the nature of fear. The nature of fear is such that we're fine if somebody else takes it away. If somebody else gets rid of the monster, if somebody does else work. does the work, we're fine with that. But but the hard work is to have someone who loves us stand there and look us in the eye and say, you have to open the door. You have to be the one. I'm, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Neither is your daughter. We're here. We're with you. And we're not leaving. But you have to open the door. You're the right. one who has to open it up. And that visual, talk about oh, yeah. a powerful image. <laughs> the the doors, the shelter doors just bursting open. And and Nathan, first time I watched it, and even a little bit this time I watched it, like I'm tense. I'm fully right. convinced right. that there is a blazing just cyclone. There is a Wizard of Oz level, you know, house lifting cyclone going on outside. And when he bursts open the doors, and it's just this clear, lovely blue sky. And mm-hmm. it, when he first opens the door, it's like a sea of white. It's yeah. because because the 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 burst of light just comes through, and it's just his image against this piercing white background. Everything is calm. Everything is fine. His fears uh, uh, his fears have all just been for naught. But he had to open the door. And that was what I, that was what I loved about when she was setting him up for that because she said to him she said you'll see that everything's fine everything's going to be okay but nothing will change. Right. Oh, so good. And and him opening the door is the change that right. their family right. needs in that moment. Right. Not that he would be and that's another reason why whether the whether the storm was really coming or whether he just dreams it at the end that's what I find so lovely about that ending is um, is that he has the courage to face it now because what happens in if if it is a dream sequence let, let's run down that path for a second if it is a dream sequence what happens in every other one of his dream sequences it ends in horror it ends in fear it ends in pain right if it is a dream sequence this one doesn't 
This one ends with his wife saying, okay, and they retreat back into the house. Or, you know, she actually just says, okay, and it cuts to black. But if it is real, go down that path for a second. If it is real and it's all really happening to them, um, then again, he's not panic stricken. He's not uh, terrified. He's not horrified. Um, He's just ready. And they take shelter in each other and take shelter together. And that I think that I think is, is the big takeaway for the movie uh, from the movie for me is, well, is I walk you, away and that's we, we are the shelter to each other. Um, two quotes that are that are rattling around in my head right now. One that I had ready and one you just jarred forth. So I haven't been listening to this lately, but I do adore the album by um, still really great band jars of clay oh uh, yes yes Shel- the shelter um, is the name I of it, yeah. the name of the album the shelter yeah. and the title song the lyric is in the shelter of each other we will live and it's so right. good so good but the other quote that that i was prepped to say and until that one jumped in my brain too i mean life quote uh hanging over my mantle right now is one from frederick beekner who we've referenced once or twice before and 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 why i'm okay with the end of this movie being reality and that quote is um here is the world beautiful and terrible things will happen do not be afraid and yes and and so that that's that's why things like that i'm i'm okay with that potential because because to me the movie is about opening the door of your fear you 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 are in your the, the the bunker of your own doing of your own making of your own paralysis, but opening it out doesn't mean that fear is unfounded. It just means you can now move forward and it not, it not beset you. Yes. Because what does he spend the entire film trying to do? What does he spend the entire film trying to do is build a shelter for he and his family. That's, that's the whole, his narrative thrust is that's what he is starting to do is he's building a shelter for he and his family and the beauty of it is that his shelter was already always there wow his shelter the one that he really needs was already always there and that was the relationship that he has in his home and that and that he was so focused on taking shelter from from an external thing and keeping them safe that he never realized the shelter that they provide to him that they sure. give to him and that he in turn gives to them that that's that that's how the whole thing works that that we don't take shelter uh you know uh from this other thing we take shelter in this thing that we have here and i'll, I'll bring in real quickly the uh, the uh, somewhat on the nose but i can think of no more appropriate passage of scripture to bring into this to a conversation about this and that is first peter chapter five and verse seven Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Very simple, very direct. It almost can become a cavalier sort of buzz phrase uh, in, in Christianese terms. But if we really think about it and if we really allow that, that truth to, to soak in and to absorb because he cares for us, we can cast all of these anxieties onto him. And in the same token, we talk a lot on this show about Community. We talk a lot on this show about uh, you know the community of faith and and protection for the least of these and et cetera et cetera. That is the shelter that the body of Christ is intended to give. 
is is that that freedom from fear that 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 freedom in the security of community is that we have a we have a good shepherd in whom we can cast all of our fears and on whom we can, you know, the, the, my family's going to fall apart. My money's going to run out. Uh, something bad is going to happen. There are monsters afoot. There are monsters nearby, but we can, you know, unlock the door, open it up and step outside. Um, and that's, that's an action that I think each and every one of us, whatever our fears are and whatever our, anxieties are that's an action that we all have to take and that in a very real sense for curtis in this film is him unlocking the door stepping out into the sunlight for us it may mean something uh very direct as having a hard conversation or it may mean something as um stepping forward into into a reality that we've been avoiding for years and years and years but whatever that looks like for us um learning how to take shelter in one another and in so doing to cast our anxieties on the one who who holds all things together because he genuinely cares for us um yeah i mean this good grief with this film good grief, good grief. <laughs> i know oh. it's so it's so good it's so good i actually was wor- i think that was another thing too and and it had been so long since i'd watched it i, I was scared to jeopardize its esteem in my eyes <laughs> i was like i don't know i, I really no. love it i don't want to like it a little less no it's uh um, and and i already loved it but it it just so shot up in my esteem i just i, I love it all the more uh having seen it again and i honestly would be willing uh soon to revisit it again because it's just it's it's very encouraging it's very inspiring and even as as fraught and as painful as some of those scenes are to watch it's a it's a deeply hopeful movie yeah and yeah and and i I love it immensely um i I didn't have anything else burning to say we've been going on for a little while are you good ready to i'm good i like i like sort of flipping the script a little bit here yeah i was like i was like keeping ourselves and listeners on our toes that's exactly right brother that's exactly right um so why don't we go ahead and go into our our uh, usual ranking of david s pumpkins when you want to explain what the what you want to explain what the listeners to listeners what that's all about it feels so it feels so frivolous now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we can just um, we could just give it a 10 and move on if you want right, uh, we uh, could just okay <laughs> no um yes we we rank most films uh all films um on our show uh under a fun quirky metric of numbers of david s pumpkins uh numbers one through five sometimes zero through five if we're feeling frisky um <laughs> david s pumpkins that being the halloween themed snl character originated by tom hanks um so we do that under three metrics that of style uh, a bit of a fluid metric just sort of a how you liked it um uh, scares and substance um so read i'll start with style I, it's a five i love this movie it, it's powerful it is you know i, I don't know if it's it's effect on me has to do with just those personal connections or if the fact that I'm a 30 something man with a spouse and children, like I'm not, I wouldn't be able to parse those out in a real objective fashion, but sure. whatever the case, I, I adore it. I adore it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, you're going to hear no argument from me. It's a five for all of the reasons you said, and maybe a few more it's yeah, it's a beautiful film. It's a wonderful film. I love it. Five. Uh, what about scares for you? 
So scares is a little hard for me to gauge because obviously like the subject of, of uh, mental illness is something that on a personal level sincerely, genuinely frightens me. Um, also, the visions that he has are, are pretty terrifying, but it's also not the type of film that, that is really about its scares. Um, so I think I'm going to land on a three for scares. Just sort of split the difference. There's, uh, I, I, I could stretch that a little further, but I think I'm going to give it a three. Sure. No. And, and, and again, um, a little bit like last week with not of the hunter where we find ourselves here. I, I can't remember the last time I did this, but I'm going to give it a five on scares because I, wow. am, but because the, the, the nature of the scares in it have such a particular sort of resonance for me personally. And so, you know, yeah, I mean the fact like, I could go to the exorcist in the theater at the height of its, ex- the experience of it in culture and probably not be as tempted to walk out of the room as I was watching take right. shelter because right. of how deeply it was kind of unnerving me anyway. So yeah, I understand. Five. Yeah. Um, and what about for, what about for substance for you? Oh, it's a five all the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, this, five this one, this one finally rivaled the visit for me. <laughs> I know. Wow. There's a, there's one film that I know you like more than you enjoyed the visit, and that's, that's Take Shelter. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't see how I could possibly get away with arguing with less than a five because it's uh, it's a deeply moving film, a deeply substantial film. Um, I love it. I love it immensely. So yeah, it's a five for me as well. Yeah, we've. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on about my five and why it's there, but the, I mean, we've only barely scratched the surface of the substance of this film in an hour plus conversation. I mean, it's 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 beautiful. It's lovely. It'll make you want to hug your family. It'll make you want to uh, appreciate all that you have, and uh, in a very inspiring way, not in a in a guilt shaming way. It's uh, it's beautiful. It's lovely. Well, uh, knowing the, the numbers we just gave for uh, Style Scares Substance, it would appear that Jeff Nichols takes shelter a little. You would have thought listeners would have been like, huh? They're covering that. <laughs> but it's shutter approved. So here we are. Uh, Jeff Nichols takes shelter, gets a certified nine on the Fear of God David S. Pumpkins rating scale. So very I'm high rating. Fully comfortable with that rating. I dig it. Absolutely. It's hard for a film to get a nine with, with how we rate these films and take shelter. I'm, I'm so happy that, that it's landed there. It's a beautiful, lovely film. If you haven't seen it, um, honestly, we could tell you everything that happens in it and we can't quite capture the experience of seeing this movie. You should, you should absolutely watch it. Um, and then after you watch it, you should, talk to us about it and if you want to have that conversation you can do so in a variety of ways because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom but it is not the end of the conversation um, you can reach out to us probably the easiest and best way is on Twitter Nathan what is our Twitter handle our Twitter handle read is at the fear of God you can also uh, follow us on Facebook. You can like us there, follow us there, leave a comment on one of our posts or post there yourself. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Lackey. And Nathan, where can they find you on Twitter besides the fear of God? They can find me on Twitter at the Nathan Rouse. You can also go to morethanonelesson.com, leave a comment on this post or any of our other official episode posts. You can also uh, visit us through iTunes if you listen to us there and leave us a review. We would very much appreciate and love it if you did that. Um, you can also email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. Hashtag I love the 90s may be closed, but we would still love to hear from you. So we love getting your emails. Um, please continue to do so. You can reach out to us that way. And uh, yeah, just in any and all varieties, we would love to hear from you, constant listener. And uh, Nathan... 
thanks so much for having this conversation with me. I, I don't think I had to twist your arm very hard about uh, about watching and talking about this movie in the slightest. Not at all. And just maybe maybe surprising to you, maybe surprising to our listeners as a mild little benediction here. I, I don't want to glance past it too much, but uh, uh, in the shelter of each other, we will live. And uh, we here at the fear of God are appreciative of you listeners who who share your spirits and your minds and your, your media consumption with us every week. Um, and we are thankful for the shelter you provide. And hopefully we do to some small measure the same for you. So thank thank you for being a part uh, as we round down anniversary month. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, thank you guys very much. We'll uh, check out social media to see where we're going next week. And uh, Nathan, as always, thank you for having this conversation with me, man. Amen, brother. See you next week. See you next week, guys. Bye. You will never walk.